Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 170. Oh my goodness, it's uh, February 14th, 2022. I am recording this today, Monday. It also happens to be Valentine's Day, uh, 2.14. And I'm super excited to bring you this interview with my friend and colleague, Allison Chamberlain-Jones. She has such an interesting story and I'm just gonna do a quick intro. You'll hear her introduce herself. So I'm not going to go into that. I wanna kind of leave that for you to unwrap and enjoy uh, and explore as you are listening to this episode live. I would say this is a great episode for a long walk or a sit down with a cup of tea because we do run a little bit longer. It's really, really worth it. There's two parts to my conversation with Allison. One about a really interesting personal journey she just recently was on, I mean, we're all on personal journeys, but she was really on a physical personal journey. And then we talk about the focus of her work with people, what she does and how she helps them really make amazing shifts in their life. So there's two parts to this. So that's why it runs a little bit long. I think you're really going to love it. Uh, Alice and I have known each other for a while because uh, she used to live up here near me in Boston and owned a yoga studio, co-owned a yoga studio. And I taught the anatomy for their 200 hour programs. So that's the genesis of our connection. And we've stayed in touch, even though she's moved out of Boston and is doing something a little bit different now. And I can't wait for you to hear what that is. I just wanna say just a couple of things, please, if you haven't joined me in my virtual studio, think about joining me Matter of fact, don't think about joining me, just join me for class. You can find the schedule every week on my website, uh, barebonesyoga.com, the virtual class page. All the classes are free and just 30 minutes because I really want it to be easy, easy for you to show up. So I intentionally made the classes free and short so that you really have very limited reasons to not do it. Outside of, of course, maybe you live in a place in the world 
where the time the class is offered is like the middle of your night. So if you're running into that problem, I want you to please send me an email because I have a program that has a whole bunch of recorded classes and I'd be happy as a podcast listener to offer you a 15% discount on that program. It's called the Bare Bones Yoga Practice Portal. So if you're interested in that discount, just send me a DM on Instagram or an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I will hook you up with that recorded uh, series of classes and you'll be all set and then you can come to class whenever it is at a time that works for you. Um, other than that, I am going to be letting you all know over the next day or so about my next free monthly workshop. This is a brand new presentation about how to transform your teaching by mastering the subject of anatomy. I'm really going to give you proof of concept so that what I just said as a phrase, mastering anatomy to transform your teaching becomes more than just a phrase. I actually prove to you how that is possible. And I can't wait to do that. That's going to be a Thursday late afternoon free workshop. So having said that, let's get into this interview without any further delay. I am so excited for you to meet Allison Chamberlain Jones. Here we go. Hey, Karen. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. In snowy, snowy Boston. It snowed uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. Or is it snowing now? Uh, yesterday, all day. Oh, boy. Yeah. How many inches? Uh, not that many. It was just kind of like lightly dusting all day. But by this morning, it was probably about, I don't know, maybe five or six inches. Okay. Yeah. I know that you're in Florida, so you're just loving the warm. There's no snow, but we, it's been cool here yeah. for, for like a month. Yeah. So a lot of days where it's been like 55 cloudy, kind of rainy, like, so it hasn't exactly been like beach weather. Yeah. Um, although there've been some like random nice days here and there, but yeah, yeah for Florida, it's, it's felt weird. It's been, yeah. it's felt like, are we really in Florida right now? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. Although you've lived here for a while in Boston. Yes. So you uh, are probably just like, this is nothing. Well, it's, I know, but it's been, it hasn't actually felt freezing. I feel like now I'm like yeah. flip-flopped or something. Cause I now like after being in the warmth for like a year, yeah. then all of a sudden 55 is like, get out the winter jacket and like yeah, you know for sure well I'm yeah. glad that you could join me today I've been watching your Instagram posts and it's just been so intriguing and even before Thank you. Uh, what we're going to talk about today which is your program which I feel like you have to help me understand if it's a new program or kind of a tweaked program yeah. that you've adjusted um even before you shared with your audience and your community what that program's about, you were taking us on a journey with you, like you were literally on a journey. And <laughs> we were kind of going on the journey. And when I was watching that, and that's part of what I want you to share with the listeners today, um, I want to uh, have us go through that because it's just so 
interesting from a whole bunch of reasons. So I thought that would be a, a fun reason to have you rejoin. You know, and actually I looked back before we got on uh, online here. Yeah. The last time you were on was December 28th of 2020. Oh my gosh. That was episode, That's crazy. That was episode 110. And now wow. this episode today is episode 170. So 60 Ooh. episodes later, you have made a reappearance um, with so much, you know, in between having happened in your life. So having True. said that as a kind of a intro and, and hopefully for the listeners, a way to sort of get them excited about what's to come in today's chat, maybe you could start out by sharing, uh, what you're doing, what you do in general, what your focus is, how do you connect with people and how do you help them? What's your expertise? Okay. Well, th first of all, thank you so much for inviting me back on. Um, it's an honor to be on your podcast. And yeah, I'm happy to be back. I, I can't believe over a year uh, has gone by since that, that first time. Um, and yeah, I've, I've really also really enjoyed just watching you over the years and how um, just all of the amazing ways I feel like you've combined your passions, you know, for things obviously like yoga and anatomy with just really uh, admirable business practices. It's like, I feel like you, you really get, you really blend yoga and business so well, in my opinion. So it's, yeah, so it's great. It's great to, to be here. And um, so yeah. So to answer your question, I am a holistic business coach, an astrologer, a yoga and meditation instructor. Um, I typically work with and help holistic wellness or spiritual type entrepreneurs, or what I like to call wantrepreneurs, <laughs> you know, wannabe entrepreneurs, people that might have some other job, you know, maybe they have a kind of a nine to five, but they might be on the side doing something else already and wanting to scale and grow that thing so that it could become their full-time business. Um, so I, I can, I work with people in that category. I also work with people who are, you know, full-time in whatever their kind of business of their passion or business of their dream is. Um, but they are really wanting to mm, revolutionize and improve the way that they relate to money because it's, there's just so many taboos, you know, around money, especially for people that are kind of in the spiritual wellness, holistic, caring, helping professions there's sort of that sticky point of like ooh is it bad to make money from this or like am i allowed to make money from this and i find that um that that really just gets in the way of them thriving and then being able to actually help even more people and so we kind of work on really improving their overall like relationship with money, with confidence, um, you know, being able to kind of 
to market their business in a way that feels aligned because a lot of people in these sort of wellness sectors feel like sales is sleazy, right? So that's another area that we kind of work on. How can we flip the script on that and take the sleaze and the pushiness and all of that icky stuff out of sales and really do this in a way that feels good to you and that you feel like you're just you're just sharing and um, potentially helping people and sort of spreading a message of you know what's possible or or how you help people um and then you know i i love to bring in like I, I always like to say that wealth and abundance are holistic like i'm sure you might know um examples of people who let's say they have a ton of money but they're physically not taking care of themselves or they have a ton of money but they're actually not happy. Or on the flip side, um, maybe they 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 do a good job of kind of self-care and like prioritizing some things like that, but they're barely making it paycheck to paycheck because of what you know, whatever, whatever reason. And so it's like I want people to feel wealthy in all ways, like a, an abundance of health, an abundance of feeling good in their body um an abundance of great relationships and ample money in their in their bank account and mm -hmm. that's kind of where now i feel like in the last couple of years in 2020 is when i added the holistic business coaching in but now over the last two years it's sort of i've brought more yoga back kind of into the equation because it's like, yeah, if we're not taking care of ourselves, mind, body, and spirit, what is the point? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's so many things that you mentioned in just sharing with us your background and your focus. Um, and, and I want to dive into those. And by the same token, I want to start maybe with your journey of late, because I kind of feel like and I don't know this, but I'm wondering if your physical journey that you've just been through somehow parallels a little bit of what you've been doing with your business and where yep. your business sits today and where you physically sit today versus where you were physically sitting six months ago or whatever the timing was. So maybe um, start out, I mean, we chatted a little at the beginning, you're in Florida right now. Um, yeah, you used to live up here by me in Boston. So you yes. had moved to Florida the last time you were on the show with me. You were in Florida, and yes. you had originally done that back in what twenty twenty November November twenty twenty. Yep, November, right. Because I remember when we talked in December, you hadn't been there too long, and so maybe from that point, you know, you had, and I think on that show possibly you had talked about oh at that point you were still co-leading your studio up here with sure. someone up here so yes. maybe take us through from there the point of you know you're in florida you've moved from boston you're kind of remotely running a studio with someone who is here physically in the studio who you used to be running it physically with as well yep. 
yep. take it from there to to what happened and what went into your eventual decision to make it even a bigger change than just going to mm. farm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so mm, let's see. Um, you know, moving to Florida was a really great thing um, for, for me in, in a variety of ways. And um, the, the positive side of the pandemic is, and I think this is probably something we did talk about in that last episode, but the positive side of the pandemic is it really prompted me to think about how can I, you know, run these businesses, help people, impact people's, you know, health, wellness, et cetera, through a computer. And, and that was something that I had always been very resistant to, you know, like, oh, there's no, nothing can compete with the connection of in-person and all of that, which there's, tr there's some truth to that. But, um, you know, the pandemic really sort of forced my hand in a good way that it was like, well, you, you either have to try doing things virtually or else you're not gonna have a business anymore. Um, and I found very quickly that I enjoyed a lot of the perks of doing things online, such as no longer having to sit in a car in traffic for hours and hours a day, you know, teaching yoga here, then driving 45 minutes across town to do a private there and back again. And, you know, all of that was eliminated. So I feel like I literally got hours of my day back. Um, then even with things like running a yoga 200 hour and then, and then subsequently 300 hour yoga teacher training, which we collaborated on with you, which right. is amazing. Um, there were also perks to that, that I, that I kind of didn't think about when I was, you know, sort of more anti online, you know, our, the yoga studio that I co-owned had one bathroom. So in a training <laughs> with 15 people during a break, it's like, oh man, you know, everybody is waiting in line for that one bathroom. And by doing it online, it's like, you have your snacks at home, you have your bathroom at home, you can take a break, it, you know, easily. If you have to miss something, it's so easy to record it watch it later. Theoretically, you could gather with people from all around the country or all around the world. Um, and so, and with Zoom and actually being able to see one another's faces, I felt like in every training or workshop or any kind of session that I've done since then on Zoom, there, we absolutely feel connected. And that, that sense of like bonding and camaraderie does occur mm -hmm. so I'll try to long story short with that I don't want to go too much on a tangent but um so I really quickly I thought wow you know there's so much potential for what we can do adding this whole virtual component mm -hmm. to our business and I had started coaching you know at that time as well in 2020 and felt like there were so many great ways that that sort of overlapped with 
the mind body wellness that yoga is kind of mm, enhancing. And, um, and so I, I really wanted to take the business in a little, in a direction of it being overall wellness now. So not just yoga, but this is overall wellness. So yes, yoga is a part of that, but there's also coaching. There's also massage, Reiki, you know, other, other things like that. Um, and I, you know, I've been, I've been an astrologer for a long time too. So do, you know, doing astrology readings, I think it's just a fun way to kind of tap into something spiritual or, or, just, you know, just some other form of, of guidance. It's kind of fun. Um, and yeah, and, and I really felt like if you want to have a pandemic proof business, you know, growing in that way is very smart because you can do it and not have to rely on the brick and mortar or not have, you know, have to, if there's a quarantine, it doesn't matter. Cause you can just, you know, be online. And, um, uh, and unfortunately my, my former partner, we did not see eye to eye on that. And we just had different, I guess, visions for sort of how we wanted the business to go. And so that was part of the catalyst for my subsequent departure from co-owning um, that yoga, that yoga studio. So, um, you know, I had been co-owning and co-running that alongside, you know, growing my coaching and astrology. Um, and so once I was officially separated from that business, you know, then I just, it was okay. All the eggs are going into the basket now of Allison Jones coaching astrology and, and wellness. So I've been I've been full on into that since September of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as this was all kind of happening, there were, for me, there were some big, mm, big themes, I guess, that I, I was sort of contemplating or, or grappling with. And I'm sure you could probably relate as a, you know, solopreneur and business owner. It's like, you know, paying our own health insurance, nobody else is paying that for us. Um, you know, obviously prices, inflation is kind of crazy right now. Prices for things were, are going up there, you know, the supply chain shortage and all of that. Uh, and I mean, I'm in my late thirties now and the thought of like, is it even responsible to have a kid in, in, in this current world? Like I, that's like a philosophical debate, but you know, some real questions and concerns I had were like, how, how does this, how does an entrepreneur, you know, have a kid now? And, and it's like daycare and all of that is just so crazy expensive. And, um, and my, you know, my partner has some connections to the Dominican Republic because he was born there and he was um, doing some real estate and, and some business things there. So we started exploring, um, maybe it doesn't make sense to live in the United States anymore. Um, you know, prices just keep going up. 
uh, our money, our dollars could stretch a lot further in some place like the Dominican Republic. Um, and it's, you know, the cost of having someone, let's say, help you out as sort of like a nanny is much less there. And so that all kind of seemed like would be helpful if, if the long-term plan kind of does go in that direction. So we literally just sort of ripped off the band-aid on that and we're like, let's do it. Sold our furniture, sold our car, did not renew the lease that we had that was like coming, that was expiring in Florida. Yeah, because you had moved to Florida. Was that also sort of related to, you know, looking for a different financial environment? Because yes. the cost of living in Florida compared to living in Boston is cheaper. Absolutely. That was definitely part of it too. It was like, yeah. why would I pay an arm and a leg? for like a small one bedroom apartment in a place that is cold, which is right. not my preference, you right. know, when we could pay less and be in a climate that is more like agree agreeable. So that was absolutely right. a driving factor. Yeah. So then you kind of go to this next phase of, okay, so now we're in Florida warm. Not only is there Dominican Republic warm, but there's also these other sort of economic and lifestyle incentives that it sounds like you were sort of attracted to and you were thinking ahead about if you were going to start a family, some of the mechanics of doing that there might be better. Yes, and yes, absolutely. And um, and at the risk of, of get, I don't want to get too political or something and, and ruffle yes. people's feathers, you know, ruffle feathers, but um, I, I, a few things that I felt like kind of influenced me in, in, a, in what I would come to see as sort of a not good way or like, or I, I feel like influenced me. And then I unfortunately had to discover through like my own trial and error that it actually was not a good idea for me to move there. But some of those things were just seeing the um the supposed kind of glamour of all of these digital entrepreneurs right mm -hmm. like every day on social media you know you're at least I don't know about your news feeds but it's like I'm seeing people who they've got their laptop and there's like this you know idyllic palm trees in the background or something and it's like yes you can work anywhere in the world and and isn't it amazing? And I just see my laptop and I can just pick up and go where, wherever. I kind of bought into that dream that, that um, you know, ooh, wouldn't that be, wouldn't it be fun to just not be tied down and have that freedom where we could just go anywhere and like, and, and make it happen. And then also just from all the different like news media and headlines and all of that, sometimes it's like, it just seems like the headlines are all mm, painting a picture that the U.S. is literally the Titanic <laughs> going down, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, yes, there could, there's some, there's plenty of problems and, and it's good to be aware of the problems and try to 
do everyone do our part to try to you know make it as best the best that we can but i think it's also easy to get swept into like this country sucks now i'm out of here you know <laughs> you know and then you go somewhere like a third world country that has it a lot worse and then it kind of puts things into pers perspective so that's so let, let me kind of jump in there only because i feel like i know and for the listeners who haven't been kind of following along this journey um that it was a process for you it sounds like to get to these realizations and so i kind of want to go back to where you said you ripped off the band-aid and you decided to just go so in that moment you were and i think this is a really the reason i wanted you to go into this is because this is a really interesting conversation when you think about any goal that anybody that's listening is out there thinking they want and then there's the taking the steps to do it and the steps are the doing there's even a step before that's in the sort of evaluating the goal to start to imagine is this really what i want and to kind of sort of do a little due diligence and sort of poke holes in it kind of devil's advocate of sorts yes and so that you're you're not necessarily getting to the outcome and then realizing this isn't really what i want you know it's like could you have saved yourself the heartache if you had thought it through sometimes no sometimes there's this you have to sort of live through it so i'd be curious because now i feel like you're sitting in this place of knowing if you can take yourself back to being in your body at that moment that you guys were like yes you were born there yes there's all these forces here in the US that are kind of not great for us right now. Let's do this. And you have this energy around moving. And so yes. that happened. Yes. So um, I like, yeah, I totally agree with how you put that, that exactly. Sometimes um, investigating a little bit more might have led to a different outcome for sure. And then sometimes it's like the only way to know is to go, yeah. go through it. And I would say that for me, it is the, the latter. I, I, I feel like nothing was going to prevent me from going. Um, be, and it's, you know, I've, I've certainly traveled a, a good amount um, to other countries. Uh, I managed an international travel company for seven and a half years. I've definitely been to other parts of the world. I've been to less developed parts of the world. Um, and so I really thought I knew what I was getting into. You know, I've been to the, I had been to the DR three or four times. And, um, you know, what I realized very quickly was once the safety net of your actual home base one once that was truly gone that was a game changer like just going somewhere on vacation or maybe living somewhere just temporarily but knowing that you have the nest the home base where wherever it's like then you can be free you can kind of really enjoy the new thing because you're 
oh, it's a novel experience. I'm cool. I'm in another culture. I'm, I'm seeing new things. But yet you kind of in subconsciously or in the back of your mind know that that safety net or like your home base is there when you choose to return to it. So mm-hmm. once that was, that was no longer part of the equation and now we got there and it's, it's like, okay, this is for real now. Like now it's not a drill. You're, you are trying to live here. And what I, well, a lesson that I kind of had to relearn apparently, (laughs) you know, what reminded me of something that I learned in high school economics class about the opportunity cost of time that sure, while we might be saving some money by being there, other things take a lot longer. And so when you're doing, you know, now you're spending more time, let's say going to the grocery store, it's taking a week to even get your internet set up. Um, There are certain items that the grocery stores just don't have. So you're gonna have to figure out something else. Um, you know, having to learn a new language. I mean, I, I took Spanish from first grade all the way through three years of college, and I still had no idea what anybody was saying <laughs> there, you know? So um, all of those things just add, it started to add stress on top of stress. And, and now, you're, you know, I'm in a place that's not familiar. Everything, everything is new. Um, and, you know, I started to really see right away just some of the differences that like conveniences that we have in the United States just don't exist there. You know, like mail, there's no mailbox, like there's no mail, you, you know, um, <laughs> you can rent something at a grocery store and maybe have it come there, but um, it will take, it could take a long, long time. It could take two months, a month, two months to, you know, to get to you. There's no Amazon. Um, say goodbye to that. Um, also the speed of the internet, even like the highest possible speed is not the same level that we are used to here in the United States. So now that I'm, I have the, this 100% virtual business, that's Mm -hmm. a big problem. So I'm trying to teach a corporate yoga class to, you know, 12 people. And I got kicked completely off the zoom 10 different times. And it was like, no, this this is not professional. I'm not going to be able to, to operate this way. And, um, so I'm trying to think if I'm even answering well, your question. I guess what I'm wondering is, so at what point did you kind of, you're experiencing this, you're kind of peeling back these layers of the onion in terms of living there, you know, how, how long does this go on? And then what's the next, is there like a big crisis, like where you're just like, that's it, we're going back, or is it kind of, it's seeping into your awareness slowly so yeah great question um it's funny it even 
leading up, like even before we actually physically got on the plane to move and fly there, um, it, it's like, if I'm really honest, my body and, and my intuition was screaming at me to not do this. Yeah. And, and at one point I even articulated out loud, like, it's like my head says go, but my heart says no. <laughs> but I had kind of bought into that ideology that like, oh, you know, anytime you step out of your comfort zone, it's not going to be comfortable and, or yeah. like leap, leap and the net will appear or, you know, anything worthwhile doesn't come easy or, you know, just some of those like platitudes mm -hmm. that we, that yeah. we hear. And so I kind of ignored the misgivings. Like I wrote it off as just like, oh, that's fear, fear, fear. Right when really there, there was definitely some of it was intuition being like, I don't know if we really yeah, want to do like, this. Is this danger that I should be reacting to, or is this my ego saying yes. you can't do this, you're not ready and you need yes. to be the bigger person to move past those self-limiting beliefs. And that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think, you know, certainly for women in the context of personal safety, you know, it's like always follow your intuition and always adhere to that inner voice being the thing that you should listen to, even if you're in a scenario where it's like, oh, maybe I'm just reading into it, you know, but that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about something on a practical, pragmatic level. So yeah, so it really is an interesting question for all of us, you know, who kind of, I don't want to put it as a wins the battle because I don't love that paradigm, mm -hmm. but, you know, between your head and your heart or your wisdom versus your experience or versus your knowledge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here you are, you're on the plane, you're kind of knowing, and now you're there and you're thinking back to this. So walk us through just, you know, as we kind of get us to the point where you, you make a decision at, at that point, were you and your partner both on board that I think this just is not working out? So, yeah, I mean, to, it, as soon as I got there, I knew it was a mistake. Mm. But at, then at that point, it kind of all I felt like, oh, my God, well, we already put in so much effort to get here that just to turn right back around, oh, you know, feels like, oh my God, you know, that was, it was all for nothing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I was internally wrestling with that, like, yeah, trying to, is it really, do I deeply know, like in my bones, that this is not right for me. And so I might as well just cut my losses and get out of here now, or, um, like sort of like you were saying, you know, is part of me just afraid because this is new and I'm on, I'm out of my comfort zone and, and and so I need to stick it out for how long do I need to stick it out, you know? And um, but pretty much daily <laughs> there was kind of like evidence upon evidence that like this was just not going to work long term. Um and 
you know, there had been a number of, of hurdles even getting down there. Like we got held up for like a week because our cat needed some other paperwork. Like we were all at the airport with four suitcases each and the cat and we like did not get on the plane because the cat needed something else. And then we're stuck in my stranded in Miami with no car, no, you know, everything sold all of our furniture. Like there, there was a lot that happened even to like get down there. Um, but, and, and so the kind of long story short is it, it was incredibly stressful, you know, for both of us. And, and we, in our, you know, relationship definitely had some rough patches with that because it just, it was so, it was just such a, a big ordeal that it like couldn't help but impact, you know, that. And, um, but luckily, ultimately, we were on the same page and um yeah but by christmas i was just like i can't yeah yeah <laughs> i can't do this can't do it yeah so then you're in a position where you need to kind of rebuild something here to come back to which it sounds like you were able to do that and was the cat able to make it back to the states with you it was like an, another whole ordeal but um I, I came back first. I started looking for like a place to live and like a, and a car. And, and in the grand scheme of things, I did manage to kind of lock all of that in fairly quickly. As each day was happening, it felt like forever because it, it felt like I had been homeless and like out of my element for like a few months now. And like that, there was just a lot of stress with that. Um, but, but you know, by mid-January, I had a place, I leased a car, I started to get some furniture in the new place and all of that. And then my, uh, my partner was scheduled to come um, not, not just a couple days after that and, to, and bring the cat back with him. Uh, they, they had, they, um, basically the U.S., um, like the US Department of Agriculture and something changed their rules as of December 1st. We didn't think to look because we hadn't been there that long. You know, we, we were only there for not even two months. And, and so we just, it just, we didn't think, oh, maybe they've changed things, you know, since we were there. So he's at the airport to come back to the US, gets turned away because the cat, They've changed their mind. They've changed their rules. Now only service animals can fly. So luckily there was one loophole that we found out about a little bit after that. Only on um, JetBlue, and it has to be a direct flight to JFK. That's the only hub. That's the only place you could enter with a non-service animal. So he, he um, ended up, you know, rescheduling the flight. He was at the airport again, got turned away a second time because they all of a sudden decided that every animal has to be chipped and our cat was not chipped. So he, he had to stay an extra night, get the cat chipped. Yay, the cat is finally here <laughs> now. <laughs> that cat, talk about, about cat. not much. I mean, that cat 
there's there's a metaphor here i don't know what it is but i know there right. is that cat is somehow the not reincarnation but there's some sort of symbolism i'm not sure what it is i mean i think at its face you guys both are such amazing cat owners and pet lovers that you because i think a lot of people would have just said we're leaving the cat you know so so having said all that you come back now it sounds like you are in a phase where you're able to sort of look at it a little more from a distance are yes. there any things that stand out to you that you think you know if someone's listening and and they have a big decision that they're facing um that does involve like leaving a job or leaving a relationship or doing something that is bigger than a bread box like what are some of the things that you might say from your journey should be considered hmm. yeah that's a great question um i mean i think at the end of the day i would still say that experience is the best teacher yeah. And as much of a pain in the ass, pardon my French on the podcast. I don't know if you know, I want to edit that out, oh, but yeah. We said, said the F word a couple times, oh, or I think I have, or some of my okay. guests have. Yeah. We even had a guest one time. She kind of went off on this whole tangent about Donald Trump. And I was just like, this is all staying in because these are conversations. This is okay, not edited perfect. stuff. And you know what? It's all, it's all fine. It's all just people's perspective. Yeah. So anyway, Absolutely. so go ahead. Yeah, so I guess I would say, even though for me that it was an exorbitant pain in the ass that lasted like three months and it was a very expensive mistake, if you want to call it a mistake or an expensive decision. And then to reverse that decision, there were a lot of costs involved with that. Um, and while I would love to go at, go back and wave away those costs and those stressors and whatnot, um, I still think it was a valuable experience. I think there were many lessons that came out of it. I think that that's true for a lot of things in life. So my advice to someone would would not be like, oh, don't do it. You know, like it it wouldn't. And it, it and, and I, yeah, I think it's always important to remember or to kind of highlight the importance of listening to your intuition, like you said, um, as well, and that, that that is vital and that that is kind of your built-in compass for, for life, right? But, but that, yeah, sometimes it's like, you just don't know until, you know, like you just don't know until you go through it, until you experience something no amount of um, reading up, like it's kind of like imagining a pregnancy, you know, you can, in giving birth, you can read books about it. You can talk to other moms, you can, you can gather as much, you know, kind of information as possible, but you don't really know what it's like probably until you have yeah. your own experience, right? So yeah. I feel like it's kind of a, a balance between, yeah, like following your intuition, following your inner guidance and being okay with making a mistake. Yeah. That, that it, you know what, we're going to make mistakes. Like there's going to be decisions that 
you know, in hindsight, like if you could go back, maybe you would have done it differently, but that's all part of the process and like being human. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is such a perfect springboard for us or segue for us into talking a little bit more about what you do with entrepreneurs and just people in general, because when you just, you know, at the beginning, when you were talking about the focus of your work with people has a lot to do with the mindset and the behaviors they have around money. And you were just mentioning the money it cost to do it and then undo it what you know in terms of your life and I would think that you know if someone had a particular mindset around money that was very restricted there's not a lot of money money is really hard to get I only have a certain limited amount of money they might have stayed in a situation like you were in for a really long period of time with the internet going down, with the cost of that affecting their ability to make money, you know? So tell us, you know, what did it take for you to just sort of move forward with your plan to move back and just, you know, in that initial phase, like put it on the credit card, put it on the credit card, put it on the credit card. Yes. The rent. Yes. The car lease or whatever, you know, sign the loan, whatever, like what was that like and what was going through your head? Mm, Yeah. Um, Around the money part. I mean, you don't have to get into the situation, but just Mm -hmm. that whole idea of, you know, having the faith that there's a bigger thing here that I am targeting to do with my life and if in the short term I need to invest you know a little bit more to get myself over this hump into this new scenario it's worth it and I'm gonna I don't know I'm gonna make it back at some point or like what goes through your head there yeah exactly um great question so um just like the all the other kind of things that I'm into professionally, I, I, I really think it's important to look at money holistically too. And that, yeah, it, obviously it's important to have that kind of black and white realistic outlook on things like literally how much money is in your bank account right now. Like all of these things are important. Yes. Um, but you know, there are other factors that kind of come into play with, with regards to one's ability to make money, receive money, experience success. And it was pretty clear to me really quickly into this whole thing that if I'm a ball of anxiety and like trauma responses in the DR and I'm feeling completely helpless because I when it comes to coordinating logistics there moving to renting an apartment getting the internet and all that and my I'm not completely speaking the language I'm feeling totally out of my element everything is taking longer it's like a pilgrimage to go to the grocery store you know all of this stuff Um, that actually is going to directly impact my ability to 
make money and have a successful business. Because if I'm showing up to my sessions with clients and I am um, barely hanging on <laughs> or completely stressed and like at my wits end or whatever, that doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect all the time, but um, that will like negatively have these ripple effects, you know, into the overall longevity, health and like growth of, of my business. So yes, yeah. it was like, it's absolutely worth spending the money now to get back to a baseline where I feel safe, happy, I have, you know, as a, as a, you know, entrepreneur, it's like, it's, it's a lot of hats, you know, that we have, we have to wear. So, um, being able to order some things on Amazon makes our lives so much easier. You know, it's like, um, and especially as women too, it's like, there's so many things, even if I don't have kids, you know, but it's like, there's, there's still so many things like cleaning the house, get, you know, food, um, all, you know, on top of running a business, it's like we have, you know, there's just all these things. So in the DR, I felt like I made it infinitely harder for myself. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't worth the savings, the, the financial saving um, right. at the end of each month, you know? Yeah. Funny. Yeah. I feel like I know in a lot of the yoga teachers that I talk to where they're feeling like they're sort of at a fork in the road and they have uh, an opportunity to make a decision about investing in themselves. And they compare that dollar investment to all the things they're doing as a workaround to just making the investment. And it's similar to what you're describing. I mean, I think your scenario is more stark because it has to do with getting food and getting gas and getting internet. And these things are things that we need to live. I think when you look at it from the perspective of, well, like, of course, in my world, it's like, well, do I really need to master anatomy to transform my teaching? Or can I just mm. doing all these things that I'm doing, which aren't great and aren't really getting me where I want to be, but I can just keep doing this for a while. There's a cost to that. And yeah. so I think it's interesting when we look at money behaviors and beliefs, it's like, if you're in your situation, well, geez, no prob, take out the credit card. I'm doing what I need to do because it's very clear, A or B, I want B and I'm paying whatever it takes to get me B. If it's something else though, sometimes the urgency isn't there and we sort of feel like we can just sort of keep doing this. Right. Because we're just not really sure the risk of the investment in us is worth it. So having, having said that, you know, I think this might now be a good springboard to talk about your program, because mm -hmm. number one, it has a name to it that is sort of like an in your face, wake up and smell the coffee sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And especially since we just talked about, you know, using savory language on the podcast, right. 
Um, I, I will just warn the listeners, if you have small kids around, close their ears and you don't use the spelling of it in your social media posts, but it's called the rich bitch holistic mastermind holistic mastermind now when yes. you post it you write rich b within just a couple of uh yep. uh not asterisks but just little symbols yeah um, so tell me i want to hear about the program i want to start though with the name what's the energy behind that like what's the genesis of that not so much mm. from a branding perspective maybe partly but just more from the perspective of like why is that the vibe? Like what's in that? Yeah. Okay. So I love that question. I'm going to answer it. And there's one thing you said before that I just wanted to like speak to for a second as well, that I love where you're going with, how do I know when it's right to invest or not? How, like, how do I know when it's right to invest in a program and a training and a coaching and a this or that, right? And, and when it's not. And, um, and so I think that a couple of guidelines that have really helped me in that arena are things like also asking, as you alluded to, what is the cost of me not doing this, right? So if I, if I don't participate in this or if I don't pursue this and I keep the status quo, what am I potentially missing or giving up or, or foregoing? And then another helpful thing is um, if you're thinking about investing in anything, it's like, how committed are you to getting what you need out of it? To, to, to ensuring that no matter what, even if the person under delivers, even if the course isn't as good as you thought it was going to be. Even, even if there are things that you would do differently or you dislike, are you committed to still making sure there's a nugget that you're taking away? And, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's the difference to, between, you know, investing in something and then being like, oh my God, that was such a waste of money. Like they, they sucked or it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And it's like, that could be true. Like that could simultaneously be true. And are you willing to let it be a waste of money? Or are you like, no matter what, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna find the gold in here, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's important. Um, and then, um, so the, so the name, <laughs> yeah. Using the name rich bitch. It's like, what is that? Why you know, does it, trigger people. Yeah, it, it does. And I didn't, I didn't set out to use that name because I was like, oh, I want to piss people off or like ruffle feathers or something. It's more that I, what I've found is oftentimes in order to work on something, you might have to swing towards the other end of the spectrum in the short term to then land in the middle. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of the holistic wellness, spiritual type people that I work with are totally the opposite of rich bitch. They are more like um, burnt out martyr. <laughs> 
you know, and they've been giving and giving because they want to help people. They have these huge hearts. They want to make a difference, but they kind of feel a little guilty about charging money or like they're not sure what price they should be charging or they're scared to be seen as expensive or whatever it is. And so to kind of make up for that, they're overextending themselves. They're working six, seven days a week. They're, they're, they're burnt out, they're exhausted. So, so then I kind of, you know, think about this archetype of the rich bitch. Like what if you let yourself have 10% of her? The goal, the goal is not that we all become a-holes. That's not, that is, and like, that's not what my work is, is about, but it's more like, what if you actually allowed yourself to make good money from this? What would that mean? What would that say about you? Let's work on that. What would it be like if you actually allowed yourself to maybe have some help or delegate some things or I don't know, you know, get some support somehow so it's not all falling on you and that maybe you could step a little more, a little closer into that kind of confident, abundant, well-rested like person who's pouring from that state of overflow instead of like one little drip left in the in the well and you know so it's like the the using that terminology rich bitches is kind of a way just to to sort of also take some of the taboo away from it that rich doesn't automatically mean you're a bitch Right. Although I think a lot of people, and I know in the past, I myself would be included in that, had that correlation. Like, yeah. uh-oh, rich is bad. That means you're an a-hole. That means you don't care about people. That yeah. means you you had to, you know, do something unethical to get there. And so yeah. I kind of also use that phrase as like a turn it on its head. Let's reclaim this a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, I think too, I've been binge watching Emily in Paris. I don't know if you've. I haven't seen that yet, but I've yeah, heard of it. Yeah, I actually oddly started watching it because Peyton Manning was joking about it on Saturday Night Live two weeks ago that he missed that really great weekend in football of the final playoffs <laughs> before the two teams were decided because he was binge watching Emily in Paris season two. <laughs> so I, I went and watched season one in like four days. And there's a character, Emily's boss, who is a wealthy, successful marketing agency, kind of like the Meryl Streep character in the Anne Hathaway. I literally um, was picturing that in my mind. Yeah, um, I forget what the name of that movie Devil, Devil Wears Devil Prada, Prada, maybe? Yeah, yes. so that kind of person, that's what I think of. And when you talk about you know, the other avatar or archetype that is often associated with people in the yoga teaching profession or different wellness professions, where do you think that um, that feeling of, I can't charge what I'm worth, I can't, like, where does that come from? Is it associated with the industry or is it just random that all these people gravitate to being a yoga teacher that have this sort of, and it must not be everybody, however, is it more common with yoga teachers for some particular reason? Like, like, what is that? I'm not really asking you to comment on the demographics as much as 
is it that I don't feel that I'm worth getting paid $200 for a private versus charging 80. Like I know a lot of the languaging I hear from teachers sometimes is I'm not experienced enough or in my area, no one would ever charge $200 for a private. So like, is it a self-worth thing? Mm. I, it's such a great question. And I love this, this topic. I think I would say that I think it's intersectional and, and it's a little bit of a, a combo of factors. I think that, um, so on the one hand, like one little spoke on the wheel of intersection or whatever could be that yoga and some of these other like healing, wellness, spiritual type endeavors attract people who kind of want to give capitalism, big business, corporations, the patriarchy, the middle finger, kind, kind of, you know? Yeah, like, and I mean, I was even thinking about it when you were talking about Amazon. I know there are a lot of people yes. who have concerns about Amazon. Yes. Jeff Bezos doesn't pay his taxes. Right. 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 He's going to space when we have all these things happening here in the United yes. States that deserve our attention. So I know Amazon, talk about trigger words, Amazon and using Amazon in the wellness professions can sort of be a trigger topic because of what it represents if we live in that world of no nuance, there's black and white, there's right. nothing in between. So I feel like as you're talking now about this idea that the somewhat archetypical yoga teacher might be someone who wants to sort of give the middle finger to that um, paradigm of capitalism and making money. And so you're saying because of that, they undercharge as a way to sort of that's one element i think i think and not speaking for all people of course like and i don't even know i can only speak for myself but but i feel like that's one spoke on the wheel yeah. another another spoke on the wheel is um it's not spiritual to yeah. make money yeah that, I that, that's been out there for a while i it I has been out there sort of Past that. past that yeah but are yeah. you hearing I mean I know you said you don't speak for yourself but I feel like because you are a conduit to how yoga teachers and other wellness professionals feel about this in your work with them are these narratives that you hear from people that you work with all the time all all the time so so, so that's it's, still it's, out there that money is not spiritual that people money are, is not money is evil money is you know unethical or whatever and the self-esteem part that that you alluded to is definitely a piece of it too like who am i to charge two hundred dollars or whatever or whatever yeah um and and so mm, there and then a few i guess another little spoke on that wheel is you know, during the industrial revolution and, and then like shortly thereafter, a lot of people worked in factories. And so at that point in time, it was really ingrained that in order to make more money, there's only one way to do it. And it's work harder and more hours. 
And so that really got ingrained from the industrial revolution that the only way to make money is to just work more, 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 more hours. And that that ideology still kind of infiltrates even how you would approach a one hour yoga private lesson, because you, your mind might go, well, it's just one hour. So who am I to get paid $100 an hour or $200 an hour or, or whatever? And it's really the way that we need to flip this and look at it is it's not just about the hour. It's not about the hour of, of, of your time necessarily. It's what is the value of what's happening in that hour? What is the value that the recipient or the customer or the client is getting in that hour? In that hour, they might be getting a tremendous amount of stress relief. They might be feeling, going from feeling like crappy in their body to, ooh, I feel spacious, I feel stretched, I feel relaxed, I feel so much better now. Um, maybe they were in a bad mood. And then after that one hour yoga private, they're feeling really peaceful now. And like somebody really might be really happy to pay a hundred or $200 for that, you know, that transformation. You know, it's funny. Cause when you think about kind of all those sayings about people who are really wealthy, but miserable in their life. And then you think about that scenario juxtaposed to what you just described. There are also a lot of sayings that we hear, well, you can't put a price on happiness. You can't put a price on good health. So in a way, if I never really thought of this, but if you take that adage to its extreme, we could charge, you know, thousands of dollars for any amount of time because what we're doing is helping people access feeling better, better health, all those things that are supposedly and supposed to be priceless, you know, exactly. so interesting how you, so let me ask you um, this because we're talking about money now, specifically in the context of what a yoga teacher might charge for services. Mm -hmm. We also talked about a yoga teacher who might look at money decisions around investing their own money in their own growth. What other ways are, are and I don't want to just talk about it in the context of teachers, even though that's the focus of my podcast, just mm -hmm. in general, when you work with people, what other ways are people running into resistance around their relationship with money? Like if they're in a profession where they're charging, that's definitely probably one area it shows up. If they're in a, uh, at a point in their life where they want to invest in their development, but they're feeling like we talked about before, it's not a fail safe thing. And I'm just going to make do with what I'm doing, patchworks together and see how that goes. Um, are there other, are there other ways that they could develop a better relationship with money where they're right now at a point where they don't have a good relationship with money and it's showing up in different ways. How, how, what other ways is it showing up as, you know, I mean, I think about people who maybe ignore bills, you know, they mm -hmm. have bills that come in and they just are like, can't yeah. deal, you know, kind of thing, or I don't know. Are there other things yeah. people you work with show up with as they're kind of, here's my handbag of money issues. Let's open it up and sort of see what's in there. Absolutely. And 
it's funny, the example that you just gave actually, yes, that I, I am currently working with someone who she um, had not opened her mail in three years. She was terrified of, you know, what was going to be in there, the bills, et cetera, three years. Um, she finally tackled it and opened everything. And although this is not necessarily typical <laughs> results or something that everyone would experience, but by opening the mail, she literally made $110,000. And this is why, because in that three-year backlog of mail, uh, her, I believe it was her father had died a number of years before but they didn't know where to send the money that was part of his will because they didn't have her, they didn't know where to send it. And they kept, they kept like sending her notices about this, but it was like in the, the pile of bills. And that was like 70 grand. So literally when she finally opened up that, she was able to contact them and get this 70 grand that was like from her dad's will from like six years ago. And then I don't remember where the other 40 came from, but it was kind of, it was some other scenario of like some, I don't know, refund or something that she totally like just missed because she did not open the mail. And so she literally, <laughs> yeah, she literally made six figures by confronting her fears and opening the mail. And, and I get it that if we all let our mail pile up for three years and then open it, this is not a formula that's going <laughs> to work for everyone. Yeah. I wish it was that easy, but, um, but yeah, so it's like, so there, you know, there are, I, I kind of work with people that are at, they might be at different ends of the spectrum. Like there are some folks who are terrified to check their bank balance and they never do it or, and terrified to open the mail. And then there are people at the other, other end where they're hitting refresh on their online banking 20 times a day. Cause they're kind of OCD about it. And it's like, uh, you know, is the money just going to disappear? You know, no, you know, so, so we, there are a lot of things we can do to kind of self-soothe, work on your, getting your nervous system, like back to a kind of grounded rest and digest parasympathetic state around money so that money is not going to just send you into fight, flight, or freeze, like it's done your whole life, maybe, you know, and, and um, even things like pranayama, breath work, mm. tapping, uh, meditation, chakra work, I find really can help with that stuff, which is just yeah. such a cool, I love bringing all that together. Um, let me think about other, oh, so then other issues that can come up is when you're, when you're partnered and your spouse, let's say, let's say one of the people in the partnership is really risk averse. They're like, I can't believe you would spend money on that. I would never spend money that way. Blah, 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 blah. What a waste of money. Oh my God. And, and then the other person, you know, and they don't see eye to eye. So yeah. I've worked with people on navigating that. Like, how do, how do you kind of stay in your lane and, and make decisions that are right for you while honoring that you're in a partnership and kind of where do you, you know, and even, even I think even opening up the communication 
around money is so vital no matter no matter what but even having agreements that you could come to together like if it's an expense let's say that's going to be over $500 we talk about it first or so, you know you come up with what feels right to you or you know or maybe it's to each their own and you do what you want with your money and I'll do what I want but but have some agreement some like right. actually talk about it so, so that both people can feel like, you know what, maybe I wouldn't spend my money on that course, but my wife or my husband or whoever, you know, they feel like that that's a good investment for them. And so I can, you know, support them, even though maybe I would make a different choice and just kind of like yeah. navigating those conversations too. Yeah. I, I have definitely had conversations with with teachers who are women who have wanted to to move forward and invest in my program and after they talked to their husband they came back to me and said wow. i'm not going to be able to do this and you know you don't really want to poke and prod into their personal yeah. situation and you do wonder there could be some real um situations that make it challenging and by the same token are there people who are shortchanging themselves because of some relationship dynamic and there is maybe a different perspective on money when you look at the two partners and they always don't they always say money is probably one of the reasons that people get divorced you know money and sex yeah up or there. why they are uh, yeah or not communicating yeah. or whatever so yeah. tell us a little bit about um how your program is structured like what's it like to be in this program and and what does it look like for someone who's working with you? Um, yeah, and so there was one other thing that I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> gotta get, get jump, in there. I jump things down because if I forget when I have a ooh, ooh moment, I, I know they're I gone. Know. But but the one other thing I was thinking with the context of investing in in a program or whatever it is is, you know, I've kind of now I I like to think of it as it's less of a need like do i need this to be good no do i need this to be successful no i mean do i need this to survive do i need this to be seen as legit hope no but it's like i i love having mm, this be just a part of my ongoing like business model and evolution as a human being like I always want to leave some room for continuing education or coaching or some kind of program not because I'm defective the way that I am not not because I need it to get a stamp of approval from somebody else no but just that I always want to be in that energy of stretching and growing a little bit yeah. and to keep scanning for like what's possible and that you know and and so it's like mm, i don't know i'm just like what if, if it would be so amazing if we all kind of approached things from that framework yeah you know? i think that's a huge part of it and i also love when you talked earlier you mentioned something about investing in something to just get to where you want to go faster so it's yes. kind of like you've got these dual goals in mind. You've got this kind of self-improvement thread that it would be great if we all kind of fed that regularly. Yes. And then 
on a real practical 3D level, we've got this, here I am right now, I wanna be here. I bet I could be here if I just knew A, B, and C. Yes. This person knows A, B, and C. Am I gonna try to figure out A, B, and C on my own or would it be faster and cheaper for me to- More efficient. Spend money to have that person show me how to get from where I am now to, you know- Absolutely. So yeah. it's kind of like these dual like self-improvement along with just the real 3D kind of tangible skill that you don't have. Um, and I hear what you're saying about don't make it that you're deficient. And by the same token, can you step away from your ego and just like assess your skills and be like, you know what? It would really be helpful if I knew more about the stock market. So I could exactly. invest $50 a month or $200 a month or whatever it is and not feel like I'm paying some broker and I have no idea what this person's doing. So I yes. kind of get there's these like dual mindsets in that. So, so having said that, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a really good point. So is this part of like, tell us a little bit, I'm kind of just looking at the time just as we kind yeah. of wrap here. Tell us a little bit about what is the container for this program? Yes. What does it look like? Okay, so perfect. So um, it I use the word mastermind because a lot of other people use that word. I feel like it's kind of a, a well-known word, but I, I, you know, when I hear that word, in some ways I kind of laugh because it's like, well, do we just want to master only our minds? You know, it's like, don't we want to master like mind, body and spirit and all of that? And so that's kind of what I'm getting at with this holistic mastermind. And honestly, I don't really know what other people do in their masterminds. And, and in some ways I don't really care. And, and so it's like, I'm using that word and my program is what it is. But so in, in this opportunity, um, there are going to be there there are eight sessions that and there'll all be 90 minutes but there are eight sessions that will have a topic and um i will i will introduce the topic it could be like um you know money manifestation and mindset is like is going to be the first one for example or um, magnetic marketing is another, is another one, for example. And so these eight sessions, you know, we'll introduce the topic, we'll do some kind of little exercise or like work with that topic. Um, I'll always ask if anyone, if there's a volunteer, if somebody wants some on the spot coaching, they could, they could bring up something, you know, about it or whatever they're working on. And we can do just a little sort of on the fly, like they're in the hot seat, the magic seat coaching. Um, there, there'll be a, maybe a little opportunity to kind of share and interact with some of the other people in um, the mastermind. And so, so there, there are eight of those and then kind of interspersed between those eight sessions are eight rich bitch yoga classes. <laughs> so then on these kind of off weeks, it's a 90 minute yoga class that will, in, in addition to some asana, some actual yoga postures, right? Asana, there will be things like 
um, maybe some tapping, emotional freedom technique. There might be um, a little hypnosis. There might be a meditation. There might be kind of working with an affirmation or a mantra. And so it's kind of like these 90 minute yoga classes are almost like mini workshops that are all part of this. And so the, with the exception of one, the first session is on a Tuesday because it's February 22nd. And I just loved the two, 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 two thing. And was like, all right, we're going to kick it off on that day. But that, that's the only Tuesday. All the other ones are on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Everything's recorded. If someone had to miss one, they can go back and you know do that. But so really in total, there's like 16 opportunities to gather. Eight, like I said, will have topics. Uh, the other eight are rich bitch yoga classes because again, you know, something that, that I learned recently that's kind of fascinating as far as the, um, the vagus nerve goes, 80% of the information, so like vagus nerve, you know, kind of talks directly to your nervous system, right? 80% of the information flows from body to brain. And it's like, as yogis, we kind of inherently know this or knew, knew this, that it's like, move your muscle, change your mind, or like move your body, like free your mind or, you know, uh, but I love that the science actually backs that up. And while I think masterminds and mindset work is important, it's like 20% of the equation. And that actually some really amazing change and transformation can take place when you also bring in the physical and holistic component. And so that's why I was like so excited to kind of pair yoga and some of these other modalities with this. Yeah, and I feel like when you mentioned at the very beginning, um, you had mentioned you are a holistic business coach. So that holistic word to me is a great um, illustration or an illustrative word to describe what you're talking about. We're not just going to get together in eight sessions and talk about tangible money beliefs. We're also going to move the body. So we're recognizing yes. that there's a connection and that it is a holistic approach to um, kind of, would you say, improving your mindset about money? Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. And, and a lot of the, you know, they say that 95% of our beliefs are subconscious and most of our subconscious beliefs were kind of installed between ages zero and seven. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's like, there can be these deep seated core beliefs around what you think you deserve and money and confidence and all of that, that are really driving the bus. And you kind of are maybe, maybe you're like, I've done the mindset work. I'm writing out all the affirmations, but like, why isn't it changing? And it's like, maybe because some modalities that are actually going to kind of reset your nervous system, drop you out of that constant fight or flight, you know, get the baseline back down to a more balanced place so that, you know, when you aren't kind of secretly freaking out on the inside, when it comes to invoicing someone or whatever it's like a lot of the transformation can happen kind of from the ground up if if right. you will like yeah right. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, I love the two twenty two twenty two. That's on my. <laughs> I'm a big numbers person. You know, if I see 11, yeah. 11 on my phone, I stop and make a wish and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, it's so, two, two, two right now. Oh my God. Are oh you, my God. That is really weird. Holy crap. That is really weird. That is so <laughs> weird. I'm so glad we noticed that. <laughs> what? That I just said that date. And that is the time. Boom, two, two, two. That <laughs> is like a, a message. Whoa. Wow. I know. Well, having said that, um, tell people, you know, since your program is starting on 222, which <laughs> I'm recording this today is uh, February 14th. I should know that, Valentine's yep. Day. Um, they've got time to apply. So for people who are listening, uh, this will go live tonight. February 14th. Nice. And it will be up and running, you know, probably for a period of time that people will be listening before 222. So how do they, is it like an application process? Is it a, a direct enrollment process? Where do they go for the link or do they DM you on IG? What's, what's the process? Yeah. If they, they can, um, if my website is just my name, it's allisonchamberlainjones.com and then there's a tab that says mastermind so they could click on that and they could just directly enroll um, when that happens I do send folks an email like if I don't know them to kind of get a sense make sure everything seems like it's a good fit and then we're like we're good we're good to go um, I haven't I don't have an application because I found that most of the people who do sign up, we know each other to at least some degree. Mm -hmm. But if I, we don't know each other at all, you're totally still welcome. Uh, you can, uh, I am on Instagram as allison.chamberlain.jones. You can definitely send me a message and ask a question that way too. Um, yeah, so. Okay, okay. Yeah. so it's really that they can have direct access to enrolling just by going yep. to your website. Okay, got That's it. That's right. Um, yep. and it starts 222. Okay. Fabulous. So, all right. So this is actually great. Cause we've got like five minutes, you know, we'll kind of end on a, on a hour, half hour mark there. <laughs> so tell us, um, since we've talked about the program, we talked about lessons from your move, maybe, you know, I'm thinking about that example you shared of the woman who hadn't opened her mail and, and, I don't even want to say that's an extreme example. I mean, who knows what folks are dealing with when you have fear and you're in denial. I mean, there's all sorts of different things. I mean, I always think of nurses who smoke and work on cancer wards. I mean, I know from having worked in direct healthcare, that was the same. Mm, right. And you were like, how are you out on a <laughs> break when you work mm. with cancer patients? So um, I guess what I'm thinking is to wrap things up, if someone is out there and they're feeling uh, fear, maybe they don't even know they're feeling fear, they just have kind of around them the signs of things are not being managed well. And they sort of know it because they can see it, you know, and I'm talking about money here. So whether it's that mm -hmm. pile of mail or, you know, they're getting these late notices from people, or maybe it's not about bills, maybe it's that they are running around, like you described before, teaching yoga classes in person, 
for free, or maybe they're teaching privates for 50 bucks a private. And I'm sorry, I don't really know where you would live that $50 for a private session would be nope. a reasonable amount of money, even nope. if you're brand new as a yoga teacher. Agreed. So whatever, you know, for people who are listening to this, whatever is kind of like, hmm, well, I'm sort of doing that. Like maybe I should change around that. What is maybe something they could do. I know they're all different scenarios, but is there something that's like a first step? Is it, you know, I mean, I would even say maybe a first step is just to DM you on Instagram and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? Just to get that outside perspective. Short of that, is there something that you have your students do in this program to kind of work through fears that they have, or they see a particular symptom and they're like told to do a particular yep. technique, like what mm. do you say? Yeah, great question. So um, they, the, they could definitely DM me. That's always an option. If they think they would potentially be interested in some kind of coaching, I do offer a free hour like discovery call. They could do that. Um, an exercise that I think that I always recommend as being a really great place to start, there's two parts to it. The first part is writing out your money story. So anything and everything that you've ever been told or think or thought about money, what did your, what kind of message did you hear from your parents? What kind of message did you hear in the town that you grew up in? the peer group that you were in, in school, um, and then kind of up to the present day, like what are, what are you telling yourself about money? What does it mean? What does it mean if you have a lot of it? Even just doing a brain dump, I find can be really eye-opening. If you, if you start with the word money and then you just write out any other words that come to your mind, or you, or you start with the word rich and then you write any other words that, that come to your mind. And, and often when I ask people to do this, it could be a mixed bag. You know, sometimes the free association words are like freedom, choice, blah, blah, blah. But often there's other words like evil, greedy, you know, bad, um, this or that, you know, associated with it. So you kind of get your whole money story down on paper. Like, what am I telling myself about all of this and like what it means? And then and then after you kind of do that first part, the second part is now to write out, well, what, what kind of relationship do I want to have with money? What's my money ideal? Do I really want, at the end of the day, do I really want to associate money with evil? Is that doing me any good? Is that really benefiting my life? Probably not, right? So, so then writing out, how do you want to think, feel, behave, and act around money? Do you want to feel like, money loves you? Do you want to feel like money flows to you easily? Or do you want to feel like money means you're a bad girl, naughty and shit, you know, you know, so then that can really be help be a helpful exercise to start to move the needle from the default, the kind of crappy programming that a lot of us had installed into now a more empowered uh, sort of lens and like really seeing all the ways, all of the beneficial ways that you could relate to money. And that can just be such a huge game changer because 
if if you kind of have any of these negative associations with money, why would you want to have a lot of it? Because mm -hmm. if you have a lot of it, it's just going to confirm those deep-seated beliefs that you have that money is bad and that therefore you are bad. So then you kind of keep yourself, you know, stuck or keep yourself at a level of just getting by because you don't want to be the bad things that you associated with money. So if right. we can kind of clear up that junk and then really paint the picture of like, how could you and money work really well together? <laughs> you know, so that yeah. I think that's a great place to start. Great. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, 90 minutes on the dot. Look at Woo! us. Fighting away, fighting away. This was so much fun. Um, I feel like Thank I got you. some of my questions answered too about money. And, awesome. you know, so I just find it to be so valuable, such an important topic and something yeah. that people don't often talk about for all the reasons that we shared. It's sort of not a topic people are comfortable oftentimes talking about. So I think it's really important totally. to bring it out in the open and kind of demystifying it and destigmatizing it so that people are like, hey, we're talking about money, no big deal, you know? And you exactly. are exactly yeah. So thank you so so much. It was great to thank connect you. And yeah, thanks for sure, having me, Karen. Of course, I always find these <laughs> to be lively, spirited discussions, and I really am sure that people will really find it valuable. And you're doing such awesome. great, important work helping people kind of connect to their value, connect to their service that they're providing, and and helping them really build sustainable lives for themselves. So that is just really good work that you're doing in, in the world. So Yay. thank you. That's my goal. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to, you can stay on, I'm going to end the recording and then okay. we'll talk about a little bit after. All right. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks again. Hi everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27, so the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next step section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, 
enter the code podcast and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.